here's to courageous pioneers who understand a legacy is multifaceted. Welcome to our Legacy Planning Podcast, a podcast for leaders and visionaries of all ages. Whether you are an independent entrepreneur or someone who is part of a family business, you too can leave something of value behind for a greater purpose. Perhaps your legacy will improve workplace cultures, seize authentic moments, or inspire others with your talent. Your host, Angelina Carlton, is the founder of Design Your Legacy, a boutique advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. She is a mentor and coach to leaders like you and has contributed to Alliance, a philanthropy magazine, as well as to women in family business. She has been recognized by Los Angeles Biz as an LA woman of influence, as well as by World HRD Congress for her work. Remember, you deserve great coaching because your legacy is worth completing. Good morning. My name is Angelina Carlton. I'm the founder of Legacy Planning, a boutique coaching and advisory firm that helps you define, develop, and execute your life legacy. This morning, I have the pleasure of introducing Sybil Ackerman Munson to the Building Your Legacy podcast. She has devised strategies worth over $45 million for large and small private foundations, individual donors, and public charities. Over the course of her career, she also gained a JD from the Lewis and Clark Law School, a master's degree from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, and a bachelor's of science from Scripps College. Sybil has served on numerous boards, task forces, and stakeholder groups. She also knows what it's like to be a grantee. She has worked for over 10 years at environmental nonprofits prior to her work as a foundation advisor. So welcome, Sybil, this morning. Thanks so much for having me, Angelina. I really appreciate the time and I'm looking forward to our conversation. I've had so much fun listening to your other podcasts and I just, I couldn't wait to be on. (laughs) That's wonderful. And I hope that this um, conversation can be a source of inspiration as well as education to both the millennials who are under age 40 that have found themselves with an inheritance, new resources, uh, whether they're in the tech firm or another industry, as well as let's say the successors within family businesses that are taking a lead role within their family and they'd like to know, you know, the blind spots of maybe what they weren't taught in school or maybe their mentor didn't cover. So I'm also excited about our our dialogue today. Yeah, great. And a lot of times people think that, oh, I want to give to charity. I want to support causes that I care about. So I'm just going to write a check and I'm going to give to the nonprofit group that I've heard about. That's wonderful. You should do that. But the the reason that I created my business and I'm spending so much time on this is I've seen way too often folks actually waste money and end up causing the nonprofits a lot of extra time and effort. And so you end up doing more harm than good. And so I ended up spending, I'm like obsessed with trying to spread the word about how to give money away well and effectively so that the nonprofit field is fully supported by your good intentions. So I don't want good intentions to go bad. I want them to go good. (laughs) Absolutely. And the name of your entity, I believe is do your good, which we're going to get into in a moment regarding the story behind it. But I, I absolutely agree. I think that there can be some hesitation when somebody donates money to an organization and they question you know, will the money, you know, go there? Is it being used efficiently? So we're going to, we're going to get into all that. So to begin for a little bit of an icebreaker, how did you get into this niche? Well, gosh, there's so many different 
avenues and reasons why I did, but let me, let me just talk about just my own personal journey first. The first thing is, is, is I never knew that working in philanthropy was a thing in school. Like they didn't talk to you about, oh, if you, in your career, you do well, um, how do you, how do you give to charity well? How do you give back well? Even if you're in the business world, what do you do? There wasn't like a career path there. Right. And, but for me, I always actually wanted to work in the nonprofit world. It was, it was the thing that was my calling, my personal calling. So, um, so right after college, I decided I wanted to get more, more advanced degrees first to like learn more about the issue I cared about, which was environmental and natural resources work. So I really delved into that. And then I realized my dream was to work at an environmental nonprofit. So I did that for about 10 years and I raised money and I did that. But then over while I was doing that, I started raising money from donors. And one of the donors was super supportive of the work I was doing. And he actually funded the different projects I did for years and years and served as a mentor for me. And then one day he brought me aside and he said, Sybil, I don't, I still want to be a trustee of my foundation, but I don't want to do the day-to-day -day, like program officer kind of stuff. So would you come over and run my foundation? And I said, you're kidding me. I would love to. I had no idea what it meant. I said, oh, I'm giving I, money away. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want yeah. to give a shout out to all those colleges and universities as they're redesigning their curriculum. Maybe they ought to add a component in there. Okay, please. Continue. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I actually created a bunch of online courses because it's the way to go now. Um, in order to help folks be able to learn how to do this work as well, so that it can be more accessible to people too. Because no matter how much money you have to give away, you can make a difference. That's what I really feel. It's not just for the super, super wealthy. Right. Uh, it's really important to be able to give back. We can talk about that more later. I love or that. Or Jeff I love Bezos' that. ex wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad she decided to do what she's doing. But yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So, so I then said, I would love to do it do this. And I'm like, giving money away would be wonderful. And this particular donor was interested in giving to nonprofits that I had worked at actually before. So it, it was really fun and it is fun. However, I really soon realized that, oh my gosh, it's not really that easy. You have to ask the right questions. The first thing is when I jumped in to working for this foundation, I probably should have asked before I jumped in, okay, who's on your board? Who are the trustees? Oh, is it your sister? Do you get along with your sister? Luckily, the answer was yes in that situation. But these are the kind of things, if you're jumping in to sort of work in this field, you need to make sure you're working with a community of donors and funders that sort of are either understand that they agree with the ultimate vision of what they want to do, or if they have this differences of, of opinion about where they want to go, they've sort of worked through that already. But I was lucky. I jumped in. I went into it with a family that was great. And then I started with the school of hard knocks because I didn't have any nice classes I could take. I made my own mistakes along the way and honestly wasted some of my clients' money <laughs> through my recommendations. But the way he said it to me, he's like, you go out there. I want you to just figure it out. He was very kind and he still is one of my clients. So fast forward to today. I started having more and more folks interested in having me work for them. And so I ended up creating my own business and I created my own business right around when I actually got divorced. And at the same time, wanted to get empowered with my own finances on the personal side. And so I did all, I decided to create my own business. My mentor first client 
um, and first organization where I actually worked as a foundation person, uh, they allowed me to switch and have them become a client in my business. And now I work for lots of different family foundations, helping them give their money away effectively. I've done it for over a decade. And I really want to share with folks what works, what doesn't work, because that's the thing. That's the key. And I started the thing called my organization, my, fa- my group is called my business is called do your good because the most important thing is first for you to be really clear on what's interesting to you and there's a do good charity connected to whatever it is that you you're passionate about and that you care about and so that's what i really focus on that's wonderful and i think that when an individual aligns their values to a charitable cause whether that's a foundation a nonprofit they're much more excited when they wake up in the morning to give to that it brings their life meaning and so forth and I also really appreciate what you had to share about the school of hard knocks that originally when you entered the field you didn't know what you didn't know you just kept going and you you learned and and I just think that is priceless and that's coming from your own life experiences so I I just want to add I also think that in addition to being a positive role model I think you'd also be a great mentor given your life experiences of you know, bumping into that, you know, oh, don't do that. And then figuring out, okay, I should do this and this works. And a happy board is always better to work with or more fun to work with than a board that might be fighting or there's politics or something underneath the, the waters that somebody might not know. And then they walk into a room and they, they don't even realize what they could be walking into. Yeah. I love that you're saying all that. I, um, yeah. So, so I have two parts of my business. One is one-on-one client work where I am working with families and individuals, supporting them to give money away effectively. And then the second thing I'm doing and have developed is this do your good business piece, which is all about online courses so that more people can sort of think about how to give money away effectively. And I also actually created a special mini course series for nonprofits because I get pitched by over 200, I process over 200 proposals. I get pitched by easily that many folks every year. And so I know what it takes to give a good pitch. (laughs) Which is important. Yeah, because you want to be, it's not a bad thing having a good pitch. It's a good thing because the donors want to give money away. They want to give money away to good charities and they want to be connected to those folks. And so you want to be able to say something and do something in a way that connects yourself to the donor really well. So that's, that's, that's all what I'm all about. Yay. <laughs> so you must love waking up in the morning then. I mean, we'll move I to the do. next question in a moment, but it must bring your heart um, tremendous fulfillment and satisfaction because you yourself are doing good. So, so you are walking the walk. Oh my gosh. I mean, here's the thing. I'm really humble and, and I feel like there's always more to learn. And I try, I try so hard to walk the walk. And I also am very aware of my you know, things that I haven't done well enough. And I'm always trying also not to stand in my own way, right? And keep going. Right. But every single day now, it's, it's such a wonderful place to be because I talk to these amazing charities every single day who are doing good work. And I'm connecting them with amazing donors who also, all they want to do is good in the world. And they're like, how do I do it? And how do I not mess up? And- It is so inspiring, even during times of such stress, 
there are the most amazing people out there in the world that are trying to help others. Um, and especially when there's stress in the world, like with COVID, with our pandemic, with all these things that are going on, it's been such an inspiring couple of years for me because of the nonprofits I work with and, and are able to support through my clients. So it's just a fun, I love being the connective tissue there. Yeah, the Velcro and I want more universe. people. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I want more people <laughs> to be able to do it. You know, I want, I want this to happen. I want, if you, if you have wealth and you're feeling like you have a little to give to the world, um, definitely do it, do it. And don't, don't let getting overwhelmed stop you. And that's the thing is I have seen that happen with folks, um, is that they've felt like they've had a little to give, but then they start looking into the issues and they feel so big and so hard that they don't really know what to do. And so that's another thing that I try to do in my courses is help there. Of course, I'm sure you're going to ask me like, what are some steps and stuff? And I'm happy to talk about those in a minute, but this is really fun to talk generally first. <laughs> yeah. And I would think that some of the emotions that come up initially could be overwhelm. Like this is too big for me. This is, you know, where do I start? Can I even make a difference? I mean, what, let's, let's cover the emotions. I mean, it's off the script, but what are some of those, because there's so many people out there right now, I think that, you know, when, when not only is, is uh, the face of wealth changing, but also I think it's like two thirds of today's affluent are self-made. And I can only imagine if they're stepping into shoes for the first time, what are some of those emotions that come up? So many, so many. Um, the there's about let's talk about sort of the top two that I see that can stand in the way, and then ways people can get around those. But the first of the two is you care about you 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 think that you should care about the big heady issues of the day. You don't really know a ton about them, but you think you should care about those. That if you have money to give away, that that's where you should go. And so then you start saying, okay, well, let's say it's climate change or the pandemic, or there was a big wildfire nearby and we need to deal with that. Any issue, you name it, houselessness. So you start saying, that's what I should be giving my money to. And then you start looking at it and you go, oh my gosh, this issue is huge. How am I ever going to make a difference? And then you go back into a cocoon. You know, you say, I'm not, you don't do anything. You don't do anything. And I've seen that happen. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that. It's the first thing. It's the first thing. And I understand and I, it. I, it can I, feel I, overwhelming, right? Yeah. I, I just want to also add that I think when someone's up to something big, that's a natural occurrence yeah. that happens. Please continue. And I want to commend everybody. Like, this is great. If you're like, yeah, 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 I want to do the big, heady thing, definitely go for it. But I have strategies to help you do the big, heady thing, but at the same time, still stay grounded in like sort of who you are and what you care about so that you can make a difference, but not get so overwhelmed that it gets too much. And you feel like, what is my because any issue, no matter how much money you have, it can start feeling really big. Like how can we make a difference? So that's the first thing is just getting overwhelmed too, too fast. And then the second thing that I see that, that can stop people sort of in their tracks is just a feeling, understandable feeling of they all, a feeling of scarcity. So in their daily life, they're trying to save for a lot of things. There's a lot of priorities in life. And how do you carve out money for charity? And how do you make sure that it's a daily part of your life? And it sort of links into number one, where you're like, okay, I've got to carve it out. I've got to make it a priority. But then I sort of start doing this. And then I'm like not saving for my kid's college, or I'm not saving for you name it, whatever key thing it is, it's your priority in life. And instead I'm giving to this charity is how you start thinking about it. 
And then you start thinking about the issue and it starts getting really overwhelming and it's sort of this spiral. And um, that's where I want to help people get out of that spiral and have it all be value add, be value add to your ultimate goal, whatever that is, your ultimate savings goal. This is value add to that value add to your legacy. So you talk about your legacy. So let's talk about that. And, and then, um, and then it becomes part of your life in a positive way, rather than an obligation that you feel society is imposing on you. So yes, that's, because, yeah. And I think what you're pointing to, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that, no, that's great. I love, I love that you interrupt because I'm <laughs> one of my friends told me I, I'm an interrupter too, because I like get so excited about stuff. <laughs> it's awesome. I think one of the things you're pointing to is like the, the, the being able to work through all of those fears that can tangle up a person, but at the same time, naming it and recognizing that, you know, if what comes up is resentment, like, well, why do I have to give? Then you don't necessarily want to give from that place. Yeah. And there's a lot of, of unspoken feelings that come up that I think as a society, we don't always work through, especially those with means. And we'll get to privilege in a moment, but this idea of, well, just because I have it now, there's this idea that, that someone else is owed it. And then that yes. resentment can bubble up. And then that person's going to, you know, the brick walls are going to come up and they're just going to freeze. So uh, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you for bringing totally. up those, those two emotions, because I think when someone gives, it's also a part of their, what I might call their transformation, because they're, they're growing and they're evolving beyond just what I might call service to self of, you know, another car that I could buy, another airplane that I could buy, another Megaloo and so forth, right? I mean, how many properties on a portfolio until somebody thinks about maybe I could and this will just add to my experience and my journey here. Yeah, and let's let's talk about. Um, so it sounds like your your listeners are are younger and also in my generation as well. And okay. so I want to talk about giving in this generation, in our younger generation. Um, I shouldn't say our. I'm actually the older generation, but but you <laughs> sometimes look I think of myself as a kid. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> It's the dyed hair and the makeup that fools yeah, you yeah. every time. <laughs> um, yeah, but but there's some really cool stuff that's happening right now with um, because we have internet and connectivity and really great things going on. So if if you're um, if you're thinking about giving now and you may not have a ton of ton of money, but you want to give back and you really love community and friends and and hanging out with people and and having fun, but also want to do some good with some of the money you have. There's group funding organizations. Uh, in my area in Oregon, the Willamette Week, which is this local paper, has something called the Give Guide. And every year they pool funds and you can give funds to this pooled fund and they raise millions of dollars of smaller donations. And then they give back to these cool nonprofits and it's a whole community. It's really fun. So you can have fun doing it as well. And there's, there's things like that in, in every community, which is really cool. So it doesn't have to be necessarily like a foundation uh, where there's like an office and people are coming in and making pitches. There can be much more of like a community aspect to giving. That's really, really great. That's I see emerging more and more these days and is really conducive to the new young entrepreneurial spirit that we see today, I think. Yeah, I think it, uh, it, it gives to that feeling of connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's not that I'm giving alone, but now I get to be a part of a group and a community, and then mm -hmm. it just makes people feel more cohesive. Okay, wonderful. Yes, go ahead, please. Yeah, I was wondering, can we talk about my the four, I have these four key things that I want to talk about because it's the four things that I ask folks to think about 
when they're deciding on their giving strategy and it's to ground them in who they are first before they jump out and say, let's start writing checks. Is that all right to talk about now? Yes, please, please do. Yes. And then we'll talk about trends because I think that's very practical because you're, you're walking them. Yeah. Through the four. Yeah. yeah, Totally. (laughs) Totally. So it's no matter how old you are, no matter what you want to do here, um, if you want to give right away, if you want to give in your will, if you want it, any other piece, the first thing that I do that I've really thought a lot about is how do you think about giving based on who you are? There's four things that I suggest that you sit down with yourself and journal about. The four things are, first, think about your typical week. What is it you do every week? Is it bringing your kids to school every morning? What job do you have? What is it you do in your typical week? Write all that down. No judgment, just write it down. Then the next thing you do, second thing, hobbies. Write down your hobbies. What are your hobbies? What do you do for fun? Okay, write that down. Then the third thing, write down the activities that make you happy. It could be your hobbies. You, you can write, it could be duplicate. You can write that again, but you also might realize, oh wait, an activity that makes me happy is once a year, I go visit my parents or maybe you visit your parents more than that. <laughs> or maybe it's a special camping spot or anything, you name it. But what's a special thing that sort of really gives you rejuvenation that you, it's extra special to you. Okay, so write that down. I write, you might be three or four things, write those down. Then the fourth thing is also super important. And that is, What's the thing that keeps you up at night? What's the thing that stresses you out? What are the problems you need to solve in your life? What are the hurdles you're trying to overcome? Write all of those down, okay? What I find when I I did this exercise on myself and when I wrote down all of those different things, I found a through line, a couple of through lines of things that I was interested in. So for me, it was my family, and climate change is a thing that kept me up at night. And so I decided to give my donations to youth groups working on climate change issues. But I did that based on looking at what I do every day, looking at my hobbies. And I, honestly, some of the things that I wrote down, I'm not gonna give donations to, but I'm glad I wrote them down because it's also just as important to decide what you're not giving to as what you're gonna give to, right? And the reason that I focus us in so much on these four things is not only is it grounding it, grounding your giving strategy and who you are by looking at those through lines, it's also, it also means that it's very likely you're going to have friends, colleagues, coworkers, community members, people you already know who are also engaged in the thing you're giving to. Because, and then that means you're not as alone in your giving strategy. You can talk to people, you can bounce ideas off of them. And so it's alliances can come. Yeah, exactly. 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 You can even create communities. You can have like a potluck where once a month, all, all the friends that, you know, who also care about whatever it is you're giving to come and talk about the issues and think about how can we do more or what do we want to do? It's a really fun way to do it. And I think not enough people ground themselves in who they are first, because they sort of feel judgy about it. They're like, well, why is it what I'm doing day to day? Is that heady enough? Is that important enough? And I'm here to tell you, yes, no matter what you do, there's a do good thing connected to what you're doing. And it's, it's just a great connector that way. Yeah. And I just want to add to what you're sharing is that I think that with that self-knowledge, it just creates a partnership with their identity and their actions 
Because one, one of the things I have found when I started this coaching practice back in 2014, if somebody is affluent, they can open up the Rob Report and so many other magazines and there's conversations about products and services, but where is the conversation, like what you're talking about, everything you need to know from A to Z, or the four steps when you start to give, it's like those conversations that are a little bit deeper, I, I just didn't find them there unless somebody yeah, yeah. searches them out. Please I know. And I find a lot of consultants and other folks, what they're going to do is they're like, well, let me tell you how it is. I am so smart. Me, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Fergus is or they consultant, right. you know, that kind of thing. And I should tell you the wherewithal because I have my fancy degrees and I know this and that. And you may be wealthy because you have gone to college or whatever, but you also might be wealthy because you, you are super, super smart and didn't have those academic degrees. And you know something about the world. You are successful because you know something about the world. And so you should, you can give back based on your personal knowledge about that kind of work. So more power to you to, to make a difference that way. And, um, yeah, and, and so, think, yeah. And I just want to add this and then I want you to go on. I think that's really powerful that you're sharing that because if somebody feels intimidated, they won't ask the questions and they'll stop learning and they'll clam up. And also I know, for instance, with women who are now investing large sums of money, if they come a across an advisor that makes them feel two inches tall, it's, it's just so alienating. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for, yeah. Okay. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, like, let me tell you how it is. Yeah, <laughs> I've been yeah. there before. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you young woman. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> the ways of the world. Anyway, uh, we can go there another time. That's another podcast conversation, <laughs> but yeah. So so, you know, one thing is you are to, your, your conversations with your clients is about designing your legacy also. And I was thinking a lot about that because there's, you know, there's giving in your lifetime and then there's giving for your legacy after you're gone. Yeah. And I was wanting to know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit, because there, it, there's a, there's similarities to how you might want to think about it, but there's also some differences in terms of what you do now today and what you do for the future. Um, and so I, I thought we might want to talk about that, but I want to be sure that you, we covered everything you wanted in that first part first. <laughs> oh, you can take the conversation wherever you'd like. Yay. And I think that those nuances are so important because again, we don't know what we don't know. And, and one of the things that I've shared before is, you know, if, you know, my, my, um, great-grandfather Herbert Carlton was a hugely successful insurance broker in the Great Depression. Why didn't I get a letter from him telling me everything about his stories and his life? I mean, he, he was a wonderful gentleman that had, he dressed like Brooks Brothers and he drove Cadillacs and flirted with waitresses, but why didn't I get a letter? But again, they didn't know that so many generations down the line, somebody would be curious. So yes, mm -hmm. please, please go ahead. I love that. And, and in, in my, in my trainings and my conversations, I recommend that every year you write a letter to yourself as well, that you can share with your family about why have you given, this is on the giving side. Why have you given to who, who, and what you've given to that year? Okay. And then what do you, when you, and then you put the envelope away and then you pick it up next year and you read it. And then you write another letter to yourself and to okay. your family. Why have I given? What do I do? And these letters can be also used after you're gone um, to really help define in the future where if you do have an inheritance where you might want to focus it and how it might want to go, you might want to move forward. So that's another thing that I find really helpful in life. But the thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit with legacy giving 
and some of the similarities and differences of what you're giving now to legacy compared to legacy giving is the first thing is let's talk about mindset about legacy giving. A lot of times it feels like with folks I work with, they're thinking about um, the real giving will be after they're gone because they'll have a little more funding or money to be able to give away. And it's very much thought in a compartment about it. It's thought about like in a compartment, a separate silo. So you're like, okay, there's a certain amount of money that's gonna go to my kids, certain amount of money that's gonna go to other things. And then there's a certain amount of money that'll go to charity. The way that I like to think about it and talk about it with folks is, you know how you have your financial planning goals for your kids. You want your kids to be, if you have kids, you want them to be comfortable after you're gone, perhaps or any other goal you have, um, or you're saving right now for, I'm, st I'm stuck on kids because I've got one of my own and three step kids and they're all going to college right now. So there's a lot of savings and planning and stuff. But anyway, you're, you're trying to save for, for college for your kids, that kind of thing. I feel like in the giving side, you should think about it like that. You should say, okay, I want my kids to be healthy and happy after I'm gone. So I want to give them a little nugget of financial security after I'm gone. But I also want them to be in a community where their kids will be able to go to safe schools, will be able to go to schools that have a wonderful education and opportunity where their kids or they will have clean drinking water. And how does that happen? It happens from the nonprofits and the charities that are doing that work. And so it can be interrelated with any long-term plan, but it's not like it's a separate silo of, okay, here's the things that I should do because I wanna do good. Instead, it's all about your future, the future of your family, your loved ones, your colleagues, and the next generation. So I just feel like it's a very subtle shift in thinking, but it's a really important one. And then the other thing is, uh, the, 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 that's sort of a similarity. That's like right now you want to do stuff like that. And then afterwards you sort of plan it in, plan your, plan it in as a financial plan. That's not seen as a side thing, but it's sort of part and um, parcel of, okay, if I want to save for college for my kids, you know, they're going to, you're going to want them to be in a world where they're educated and happy and following their passions, but they're only able to do that if they have roads to drive and they have clean drinking water and they have opportunities. And so that's, that's the first thing of sort of a similarity. And then we'll talk about some differences in giving strategies between when you're alive and when for your legacy. What I like about that so much is that you're asking them to think through not just their microcosm, but their macrocosm. The totally. things that they think that they might not be affected by, uh -huh, but, uh -huh. but absolutely, yes. And you know, I always say these things and I know that you know, the things I say are sort of obvious in the end when you say them out loud, but, but it's really interesting how the reason I feel like I have to say them and the reason I'm spending all this time sort of talking to folks is they're, they're not said enough, I don't think. And actually right. when we're in our own minds, it doesn't go there. So I'm really, really happy to have an opportunity to talk about them. Okay, so let's talk about the differences between giving now and giving for your legacy after you're gone. The difference is while you're alive, if you give to smaller startup, interesting nonprofits, that's cool. Smaller startup, interesting nonprofits that are truly, really trying to move the dial on issues. They're doing, taking risks. They're doing really hard work. They probably need startup dollars. They may or may not be around in 30 to 50 years or a hundred years, 
but they are super cool, super crafty, super important. And their ideas might end up getting adopted by some of the larger, more institutional organizations that you think will be around a lot longer. So what I always try to encourage with my clients is, yes, of course, it's almost like a, a portfolio if you're saving for in your you know, for your retirement and you're like, let's do mutual funds and let's do also some stocks and do a percentage of each. It's the same with your giving strategy. When you're younger and you're giving, give to, give to those risky groups, give to the groups that are being innovative. They may not be around in 10 years, but their ideas might get adopted. And then also get to know those longer, more institutional groups. Those are the groups that you might want to put in your will that are, as long as they're ones that are adopting some of these new interesting ideas, but they'll be around for that long period of time once you're able to give. And so that's the thing that I think is a really wonderful storyline to talk about is to sort of think through those pieces. And it does mean that you think a little bit differently about your giving strategy early versus later. And it is, it's a, it's a little bit, I guess, similar to investment strategies, right? Um, where you, if you have a longer time horizon, you're doing a little riskier stuff. <laughs> and then as you get older, you do a little less risky stuff. So you can think of it in line with that too. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And I, I especially love the fact that as a woman, you're bringing voice to these choices and decisions and and the encouragement to think long-term as well as what I might call holistic. Oh, yeah. thank you for saying that. I mean, this is, it's really, I guess, I just feel this calling, feel a calling to talk about this work. Um, I feel like for so many years, I have had the privilege of being in rooms with trustees and wealthy individuals, making hard decisions about giving to wonderful causes and I've had years and years of working with nonprofits who have talked to me about various amazing things. And some of them have been super successful at raising money. And all that information just piles up in my head. And I just felt like an obligation and not a positive obligation to talk about it. I mean, this right. is a scary thing, stepping out and creating a separate whole new arm of my business. I'm like, essentially, uh, you know, I'm not making money off this right now. I am self-financing through my other work so mm -hmm. that I can speak about this important work. That's what I really care about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you're putting your face out there. To the yeah. Public. Yeah. Thank you, you for saying that. That's yeah. also a little bit like, oof, and listening to my own voice in my podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get used to that. I'm sure you did too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, kudos to you. And so let's, let, let's role play for a moment. Let's say I'm a donor. Mm -hmm. How much um, say, do I get to have if I give, or does it depend on who is behind the charity or the nonprofit or the foundation? What have you found in the past, and what do you think is possible today? In terms of, can you ask the question a little bit differently so that I can totally sure. get it? Sure. As a donor, do I have input on how much and where the money is spent? Oh, yes, yes. Well, if it's Okay, I see what you're saying. Because I was thinking about it from the donor perspective. If they're, if they have a certain amount to give away, they have complete control about what kind of checks they want to give and how much. So that's the first thing. But um, I love the question because I think what you're asking is how much control, once they give the check to that nonprofit, how much control do they have over where the dollars go? Okay, so let's talk about that because this is a whole other piece of what I teach. 
Um, not only do I teach, how do you figure out what you want to give, but once you give, once you decide that, how do you do it effectively? So there's two different actual philosophies around how to give. One is you give something called a general support grant or just a general donation, either one. And then you really don't tell the nonprofit what to do. You research the nonprofit, you like him, like them, and you give them money. And then you walk away. Well, you don't walk away. You probably volunteer, you do other things, but you never tell them what to do with the money. You've, you've decided that that's how you want to do it. That's how you want to do it. You love the nonprofit. You'll fund them year after year. And that's we'll it. Delegate and not micromanage. Yeah. And I call those kind of donors, I call those kind of donors, sustainer donors. Wonderful things. There's positives to do that because then you're really supporting the group. You love the group. Okay. So sustainer donors are all the way. That's what they do. Right. However, there's people out there, and I work for many of them, many of my clients, who they might be giving because they actually care about an issue and they want to move the needle on an issue with their funding strategy. So they like the nonprofits just fine. They love the nonprofits, but they are actually really worried about climate change and how are we going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, or they're worried about houselessness or other things. And so if they're worried about those issues, a lot of times what happens is it's not really enough for them to give money and walk and walk away from it. They say, okay, how there's like six different groups I'm funding and there's this gap that needs to be filled and we need to do something about that. So I actually, in this other category of, of donor who wants to give money away, but move the needle, there are donors that I call campaigner donors and cam donors I call launcher donors. These kind of donors are donors that are like, we want to get in the weeds. We want to actually talk with the nonprofit about how they should spend our money because we can see how the needle needs to be moved. We want them to work with XYZ other nonprofits that we're also funding. And we actually have some expertise in this too, or they've contracted someone or they have someone on staff who has deep expertise in the issue they want to move the needle on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So those and are campaigner. Hands dirty. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And so those are campaigner and launcher donors. And Campaigner and launcher donors are great, and they actually do either grants that are called project grants, where you have specific benchmarks and you work with the nonprofits, and nonprofits are very familiar with project grants and they know how to do it. Or if they're not doing grants, where they're not doing like real grant making where the foundation, but they want to do a donation, they can do a donation and they can say, I'm doing a donation to this project, and they can say what it is and they can work with them. The thing that I want, and, and with launchers, launcher donors, not only do they care about the issue, but they really want to fund the gap that needs to be filled in the issue. And so they'll go in, they might even help start a whole new group from scratch or something like that. So they really get in there in the weeds and they like try to help. And in some of the courses that I've created, the, the mini courses in that work it, is I've, I've created some for campaigner and launcher donors because there's an art to doing that well. Um, if you come in and you work with a nonprofit too heavy-handed and you don't actually know the issue well enough, you could end up mucking things up a little bit. And yeah, I was so, gonna yeah. say they could probably step on some toes. And I also wondered in the art of being a good donor, um, you know, I, I can imagine ego can sometimes come into it if mm -hmm. there's a nonprofit and there's a board and they they've been doing this X number of years, but here comes the donor and they're gonna write the check. It could be a very, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that is one of the main reasons I also created Do Your Good. Okay. So I have spent the last couple of years creating mini courses, easy digestible mini courses just to deal with these issues. So I have a little mini course 
on how to not be in a funder bubble if you're a funder so that you burst that bubble so that when you're approaching and working with nonprofits, you're supporting them even if you're a campaigner or launcher donor. And I also have a mini course on how do you fund collaborations well, all that kind of stuff. The list goes on and on okay. because you can it can be really fruitful if you're a campaigner donor, but it can really be a problem if you um, if you don't recognize some of the limitations and how to how to navigate that. The other thing that can happen that I've seen happen often is that you're not clear if you're a donor um, that you if you want to be you think you want to be a sustainer donor, but you're actually a campaigner donor, but you don't know that. So like yeah. you start giving general support money and you start saying I love you, I love you, but then you start going I love you, I love you group, but why don't you do this 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 this, and that's really challenging for the nonprofit too, um, because they're like wait you told me you were going to give me, give us a grant to give, do the work we're doing. And I've told my board that, and we're out there having fun doing our work and not just having fun doing the hard work. Right. And now you're telling me you really wish that it could go here, here, and here. That is a big no-no. Don't do that. Right. But it does happen more often than you think. So I always, I have these, these, the reason that I created those three categories is I really hope that donors can sit back and think carefully about what kind of donor they want to be in the world and then structure their giving strategy based on that. And then be honest with themselves about what they aren't going to do then. And if they are going to shift over, like to be a campaigner donor from a sustainer donor, they do it deliberately and they make sure that the nonprofits know that. Um, I can give you a story about one of my clients who did this really well, I think, if you'd like, okay. but yes. it sounds like you yes. might have questions first. <laughs> I, I just was going to add that I think that there's sometimes this presumption that if somebody is good at one thing, then they're good at everything. In mm -hmm. other words, if somebody has money, then they're going to naturally just walk into a room and be an excellent negotiator with a nonprofit. But what, what I like is that you are equipping them with new awarenesses and skills so that they can succeed and, yes. and not allow a roadblock of sorts uh, due to a miscommunication to then stop their giving because yes. if, if it can flower and grow then mm -hmm. everybody the is biggest, happy. Yeah the biggest thing that happens if you're a campaigner donor is you can get grumpy really fast and then stop giving and, and you can get grumpy <laughs> because you feel like why isn't everyone just doing what I say they should be doing I've seen this happen. And there's right? a lot of time and then, and then yeah and instead what I recommend is if, if you're super successful in business or some other piece of the world that you've done so you're you have wealth to be able to give. Uh, be honest with yourself too. You might have a big issue that you care about, but you might actually not know that much. So you might want to contract an intermediary, someone who is an expert to help navigate between the nonprofits and yourself and support you both. You might want to hire a facilitator to help facilitate the nonprofit meetings where you're not in the room, but the facilitator is helping. There's a lot of techniques you can use. And that's what I do in my trainings, because if you don't, and you you just come in going, well, I was really successful at business. And so everyone should just hop too. And I have seen that happen, you know? So everyone's like, oh no, that would never be me, but it does. It is you sometimes. And it's sometimes me too. Honestly, I run myself through my own tests because I screw up too. Right. <laughs> I have had my, my nonprofit friends say, Sybil, you shouldn't be in this meeting right now. Remember you're a funder. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm a little I'm, too excited there. <laughs> I'm going to make that joke about, you know, well, don't you know who I am? Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Okay. So, so yeah. success story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my clients, I feel has done this really, really well. Um, they were mainly sustainer donors. Um, they would fund groups that they love year after year. And the family said to themselves, well, we still really love these groups. We don't want to leave them. But we also feel like we're intrigued with the idea of campaigning 
because we're really worried about, in this family was worried about climate change. And so they're worried because they feel like we need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and the groups are doing amazing work. We don't want to, they didn't want to stop funding them, but they did also want to move the needle. And so um, themselves like sort of think about, okay, if there's an extra campaign, like if the groups need extra money for communications or to support businesses to transition to fossil fuel free economies, I mean, all these kind of things, there might be some extra financial support that the groups will need in the short run to help them over the long run. And so what they did was they, they created, they carved out a special campaign fund within their foundation. So, and I actually managed that fund, um, but the family members themselves still give year after year and they have their own personal relationships with specific nonprofits. And what I do is look around for this climate change piece um, and how we can move the needle. And sometimes I'll add money, uh, not me, but they'll recommend the groups well to me. They'll say, we need to add more money because we need to do this, this, and this to help move the needle on the issue that your fam the family you're working with cares about. And so I'll recommend to the family, okay, this organization needs extra dollars to be able to move the needle. So they still get core support year after year from the family, but they've clearly carved out this extra niche. They've hired me as an intermediary because I happen to be an expert in environment and natural resource work. And so I can figure out how to move, how, how, what the dial needs to happen and people feel good talking to me about it. And so then we can do that too. And so I just wanna also use that story as you can do both. It's just, you have to be clear or all of those. You can be a little bit of all of them. You just have to be clear with how you do it. And so I really love that story because I think that family did it really well. Bravo to, to them and to you. And I agree with you that I think there is like a, like a, almost like a certain language when you enter this niche. And, mm -hmm. and you might know the niche from what you do on a regular basis, whether that's tech or whatever that industry might be. And then you go into this other field and it helps to speak the same language as the other people in the room. And the other, I'm sorry, I, I just want to add yeah, this. Yeah, I, keep want, going. I want your thought is it reminds me of the metaphor. It's almost like you're going to another country and just to have the awareness that you might be really, really good in, in Belgium. But if you're going to go over to France, now they've got their own microculture of what is acceptable and how you speak. And, and, and so to succeed in, in France, thus, it's important to like where you're bringing up all of these nuances, like a fund within a foundation. And, you know, it's yeah. obviously you want to go from point A to point B from Belgium to Paris. Right. OK. But but it, it's, you know, everything you need to know from A to Z so that you don't get frustrated at the border. And the other thing to circle back to the beginning of our conversation that's another, this is another reason why it's so important before you do a comprehensive giving strategy to link it into who you are. Because if you, if you don't, then that possibility that you're going to get really frustrated will happen quicker. Because if you go into a space where you really have no idea what's going on, and you don't have any colleagues or friends where you're naturally know, who naturally know what's going on, then and all you have is like, because you were successful in a different field, you're not, you're going to fail and you're going to be frustrated. And especially if you're a campaigner funder, you're gonna be like, why is no one listening to me? But if you've taken the time to, to withhold judgment and just really think about who you are first, base your giving strategy and who you are, then 
there's going to be like 50% of the work is going to be familiar to you already. And then you'll also be able to navigate like, ooh, I'm in doing the wrong stuff here. I, I'm in a little bit too much of a thunder bubble. I have to like make sure I step out of that a little bit and get the right scoop. And But you'll know enough so that you'll know if you're overstepping your bounds. Um, so that's why it's circling back to that core thing where it's so important that you're honest with yourself about what it is you truly care about first. Absolutely. And then that individual can move from win to win to win. And then yeah. the momentum will be at their back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a comp, if you're, if you're an active, successful entrepreneur, thinking about giving through your company first as well um, is really a great idea because if your company and you're doing corporate giving and you're developing that strategy, then personally, you're going to start learning more about that too. And maybe you can have that as a parallel thing. Sometimes personal giving is so, so different from what your corporation, your business is giving to. And there's probably reasons for that, definitely. But it also, I would, I would ask the question, would it be, it would be really cool if you could somehow find a bridge between those two, because then you can definitely, even as you transition, if your business away from your business towards retirement, you'll be able to keep a lot of that knowledge there. Uh, I had a wonderful podcast interview with a person named Jim Kelly, who has a great story about that, where his business ended up getting sold. And um, during the business, he developed a corporate giving strategy, and now he has a foundation and he's giving in those same areas. So it's just sort of neat. It's nice because he was able to now dig even more deeply into things he cares about to do good in the world. Very nice. Very nice. And I think all these distinctions are valuable because Again, um, if somebody can bring meaning to their life, then it gets to be more than just the money. It, it's totally. like it's, it, it becomes yeah. all interconnected and then fun. And, and then they, right, they feel more connected to humanity and their core values. And the more that that's aligned, again, then it's like the wind is at their back. So I would, speaking of values, would love to ask you about the core values that you get to honor, as well as what you would like your legacy to be. Oh my goodness. I love that question. Um, my core values are really about thinking positive, feeling like, and believing that people, their first interest, people's first interest is good. And they don't, nobody is approaching problems from a place of evil. Almost nobody. Yeah. So to approach people that way is key. And my legacy, what I want my legacy to be is, I thought about this a little bit in two ways. One is from a personal perspective, for me, the environment, natural resource versus is really key. And what I would love is somebody to walk through the woods or a wild area or drink clean drinking water and be at peace and be happy. And me, I know that I had a part to play okay. in helping that clean water happen in helping that wild area or that habitat or that wonderful walking place be. So to me, my, my legacy is the work that I do today personally helps the future be a better place to live. And that's what I try to do every day. <laughs> that's incredibly beautiful. So it's, um, it's values around, I'm, a, I'm, almost, I'm almost hearing like stewardship, preservation, yeah. respect and for no, nature. No one knows. I don't care if they know my name. What I care about is that they are walking through a park 
and it's beautiful. And I helped, I had a small part to play in creating that park or they're cleaning, drink, clean, drinking, drinking, clean, drinking water. And I had a small part to play in helping that happen. So that, that's what I feel is that's where I'll be satisfied. And that's what I've been do, trying to do in my personal and professional life all the time. It's another reason why it's a little hard for me to step out like this. <laughs> because, because it's hard to talk about yourself. I know. I'm not really or... about, right. It's not, my legacy is not about Sybil Ackerman Munson and do your good. It's more yeah. about, I have to step out like this so that I can really help the help, you know, do, do the things I think I, I should be doing in the world. <laughs> and it's also so inspiring. There was that um, game that some of us played growing up called show and tell. And yeah. it's so, it's so powerful when we can see somebody embrace their, they're doing it and they're showing it in walking the talk. I think totally. that, that, totally. that has like a, uh, more of a ripple effect in, in just being like magnetic in the impact it, it, that it can have in other people. Totally. I love that. I love that so much. It's great. But it is, it is kind of a little bit scary in asking somebody, what would you like your legacy to be? Because you have to feel safe enough to say it. Like I've mentioned mm-hmm. before, you know, we don't necessarily have these conversations at the grocery store. You know, you pick up a tomato. Hey, what would you like your legacy to be? It's people feel very guarded because it's so close to their heart and to their soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I also love it when women answer that question, because it's not just that women are demure, supportive and helpful, but women can also, you know, like you said, move the needle forward, move, you know, the football down the field, you know, when they've got their own thoughts and ideas and many courses and their own money as more women come into money these days also. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Yep. Totally true. Totally true. This has been so much fun. <laughs> good, good. And, and I know that we have to wrap up in a couple of minutes. So one, one of the questions I'd like to ask is what's the best way that somebody could find you, but also if you might explain the relationship between the three parties of, let's say a nonprofit, a charity, a foundation, the donor, and then somebody like yourself that serves as a facilitator. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me at www.doyourgood.com. So that's my, my website. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the at sign, do your good. And then um, I probably, by saying at sign, gave my age away. <laughs> um, Not a day over 38. <laughs> I know, totally, totally. And, uh, and, and my name, you can just, t- I have my email on there and everything. It's really easy to reach me. And so I'd be happy to talk to you if you're interested in, in anything we have to talk about. And then um, in terms of the relationship between nonprofits and donors. And I think that's what you were asking. Um, Well, you know, nonprofits are tax deductible entities if they've structured correctly. And so that means if you're giving a donation it's it's, it's tax deductible. And so that's why it's attractive for folks who have foundations or wanna give individual donations because it's tax deductible. But a lot of times you might just want to give a donation. You don't care about the tax deduction. That's fine too. And there's organizations that are structured, both you can still just give to a nonprofit, but you also, and that's not for profit. So the, the organization's not trying to make a profit or you can give to political campaigns or other things if you don't care about the tax deduction. So there's a lot of different ways to give back and it just depends on who you, what you're interested in and that kind of thing. Did that answer your question, Angelina? It, it, it does. So I would think that, that the, the, the value that you bring forward is part education and also part delegation. Oh yes, thank you, so, thank you. Mm-hmm. So I forgot somebody, to say that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if, if somebody wants to learn more and they partner with you, 
then mm-hmm. it's almost like the two of you walk forward together so, and you right. guide them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and your, your last guest and your last, um, your last podcast interview, I think he described what he does really well. And it's similar to the way I'm, I'm thinking about how I am. So if you want right. to give money away effectively, you can give money away by taking my mini courses and do it on your own. And that's fine. Um, or if it'd be like, if you're going to the gym and you're just working out, this is what your guy said. Um, and you just want to work out, you can just work out. But if you want to have a personal trainer, if you want to have somebody you can bounce ideas off of who has an expertise in this area, if you really want that, that's when you hire somebody like me who can help you navigate and create your strategy because of all my years of experience. So I can work with you to think through those things. So that's what I do with my one-on-one clients. And then I also created these online courses for folks. So it's more accessible. So you can like take a course and you can think about what you want to do. And they're mini courses. They're short, short little ones. Cause I know you're all busy. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Well, uh, kudos for your efforts in bringing this knowledge to the marketplace, because I realize today it's not just millennials that are thirsty for education and knowledge. I think it's people across the board. And I don't think it's just the school system. I think people these days are waking up and they they want to do more because whether the governments do it or they don't do it, I think people are taking more of their own personal agency uh, for those that, that are motivated to do so. Um, to, to make an impact because they totally. know, like, uh, you know, when you, you've spoken before, not just on our, in our conversation, but in, on other podcasts about when somebody is granted privilege that in that realization that with great wealth comes great responsibility, then being able to move forward with the, the gifts and the skills and the talents that they have, and also reaching out to your website to, you know, whether they want to tackle that on them, you know, with a type A personality so they can know it all before they walk into the boardroom, or if they just simply delegate to you because they're already working 60 hours a week. Exactly. Yeah. You, you got it. Hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Very good. So great. Okay. Well, um, I know that I I need to be sensitive to your schedule. So thank you so much for um, accepting my invitation to be on my podcast. It's a Thank you so much. And I appreciate all of the, the insights that you brought, the nuances. And um, I will make sure that in the show notes that there's all of your contact information and so forth. So, Wonderful. Yay. Yay. Okay. So to any of the listeners or viewers out there, please like and subscribe, share with your friends and family, and also keep defining, developing, and executing your legacy. So until next time, thank you so much for joining. Thank you.